Welcome to the Think TLH podcast brought to you by the Knight Creative Communities Institute. This is a show about innovators, creative thinkers, and individuals that are making transformative change here in Tallahassee, Florida. Altamese Barnes, a pioneer in the Tallahassee community, has worked to preserve history of African Americans. She was part of the founding team of the John G. Riley House Museum, was instrumental in the creation of the Smoky Hollow Historic Site, and the African American History Trail. Stay tuned to hear how her work has led and inspired local, state, and national efforts. Altamese, thank you so much for being here with us today. I am always happy to come and talk about history. Well, we appreciate everything you've done in Tallahassee to help preserve our history for generations to come. First, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the John G. Riley Foundation. How did that and the museum come to be? Okay, the John G. Riley Foundation was the forerunner of the Riley House Museum. The John G. Riley Foundation came together because in the early 70s, the city uh, was talking about demolishing the Riley House at the corner of Jefferson Street, 419 East Jefferson Street. I believe it might have been that they didn't know at the time what that house represented, the city that is, city commissioners. A group of citizens who heard about that, knowing Mr. Riley's background, that was the house where John Gilmore Riley lived with his family. In fact, he had the house built for his family in 1890. Mr. Riley was born into slavery right here in Lynn County. And um, in 1857, September 24th. So um, after slavery, he chose education for a career, went on to become the principal of the first public high school for blacks. And that school was built in 1869 to provide an education for newly freed slaves, a secondary education. He served in that position for 33 years. In addition to that, he amassed a lot of real estate. Most of it was in what is now known, recognized uh, as Smoky Hollow. And he also had property on the FSU campus as well as in Frenchtown. In addition, he was the secretary of the NAACP. He was a Masonic Grand High Priest of the Royal Masons of Florida. He established an insurance program for the poor. So many things he had contributed. So when some of the senior citizens heard of the city's plan to demolish it to put an electric substation there, they rallied and went to the city and shared with them the importance of that property. In turn, this group, um, all of them are deceased now, had to raise $95,000 to buy the house from the city. Though Mr. Riley had all of this going for him and was really talked about as being the first black millionaire in Leon County, he had five children, but it appeared that the children were not of the same mindset as he. So by the early 70s, everything was gone except the home seat, and that was the Riley House. The city acquired it for back taxes. 
So this group, a diverse group of people, came together, it was about 13 of them, and raised the $95,000. And by 1981, they had paid it off. Their intent was to have the house serve as a heritage center or museum to preserve, identify, document African-American history. They didn't live long enough or stay in well enough health for that to happen. I happened to be involved with the foundation because my boss was one of the people on the foundation board. And he said to me, Al, you need to start going to these meetings, which I did. And they made me the secretary. I was the youngest and I was female. So I became secretary of the foundation. I was still employed with the state so I continued my work with the state, and when I retired in December 31st, 1995, realizing what they wanted to have happen but did, could not make that second step, I decided in retirement that I would go over and try to make good of what their ultimate uh, desire was for the Riley House, and that was how on January 2nd, 1996, I started the effort to create, establish the John Gilmore Riley, and we say center slash museum because we, I wanted it to be as much a research center as a museum. So that's why we have John G. Riley Center slash museum in the historic Riley House. And it is such a wonderful museum. Congratulations on being part of saving that important piece of African-American history right here. And now I know elementary schools, children go on field trips there all the time. It's open the majority of the time, so you can just stop in and do a tour, and you all have a nice interpretation center. And, and then, of course, it's just such a short walk over to Smoky Hollow. So tell us a little bit about the Smoky Hollow Project. Okay, the Smoky Hollow Project, and before I move on, in addition to the historic Riley House, in 2015, we moved into another structure on the property, the Riley Visitor Center. And that came about because we were successful in getting the city and county and the public to raise, help raise funds, $350,000 it took to construct the visitor center. So we have that now as well. Now with Smoky Hollow, back in 2004, when Blueprint started talking about uh, Cascades Park, I already knew because I'm a native of Tallahassee that all of that area was a predominantly black community with over 80 families, their churches, their schools, everything, because it was um, existing during a period of segregation, so thus you had segregated independent enclaves like Smoky Hollow. I started going to the meetings over in Department of Transportation because I kept hearing about all of the plans, but nobody was talking about the footprint of what all that used to be. Well, Smoky Hollow was eminent domain in the 60s, and the families had to move out. Now, it was said at the time that this action was being taken because there was a desire to expand the capital complex on this 24 acres. 
Now, this was in the 60s. But in 2004, there was the discussion and the plan to develop a park there. So whether the reason for the eminent domain did not really appear to be what was stated at the time. I was concerned because I knew of many of the families that lived there, and I knew that there were people who were still upset about the fact that they had to just on the dime relocate with no plan for where they They were were to go. So that's why I started going to the meetings, and usually I would put my hand up when it was Q&A time, and most people knew what I was about to say. You know, as you develop this park, I think you should commemorate in some way these families of this community that used to be here. So it took about four years and a change in leadership, and uh, once that change in leadership came about, I was approached by uh, Wayne Tedder, who at that time they put into the position to lead that effort on. And he said out to me, I heard what you have been saying, and I would like to do something about that. He said, I need a committee. And he said, I need a chairman. And he was looking at me. I said, well, I can't chair it, but I think I can find a good chair. And so he said, okay, that would be fine. So you go about doing that and let me know when you have the committee. So I got a good friend of mine, John Lawrence, retired. He was the first black principal at Godby. And uh, John agreed to come and cheer when I explained everything to him. And we went about um, identifying some key people in the community who lived in Smoky Hollow, were born in Smoky Hollow, Then we had other people who were just friends of history and felt that this needed to be done. And this diverse group of people started to meet. We met for about three years. And out of that came uh, the, I think it's about four or five acre track that is now known as Smoky Hollow Village, which is right across from the Riley House. And by the way, Riley House was in Smoky Hollow, right on the fringe. So right across the street, is Smoky Hollow Village, and we have in their history of the layout of the communities, the names of the families who lived there, some of their or history quotes are there. Um, and April 2017, we brought in the re- returned the only commercial property that was in Smoky Hollow, the barbershop, to the park. Uh, interesting about the barbershop, it was about to be torn down because that was located at the airport in the rear on some uh, property. And I received a call one day from city manager Favors, and she said, we have these two buildings and we are getting ready to destroy, demolish them. And one of them used to be in Smoky Hollow. We brought it, it was brought out here to serve as the first juvenile detention office. So I got with Bob Jones with the state, had him to meet me, and we went and looked. He said, yeah, this is historic. And we got the oral history testimony, primary source from people in the community who remembered the barbershop, and Annie Harris, who was at that time assistant superintendent for Leon County Schools, got with the Lively Tech um, Building and Trades director and told him about it. So he said, well, let's move it out to the Lively Tech Center 
and I would get with my students and we will restore it because it had loose boards and a lot of things that had been sitting out in the elements. So they took that project on and got it restored. We wrote a history of black barbering in Tallahassee. And on the occasion of moving the barbershop back to Smoky Hollow, we released the publication about not only the Smoky Hollow barbershop, but other barbers and locations that had served the community through the years. And so now that kind of brought everything full circle. And anybody who wants to know the full history of Smoky Hollow can Google Library of Congress, Cascades Park, Smoky Hollow, and all of the oral histories, the mapping, the buildings, all of that research is now in the Library of Congress. And it was a result of this community group that came together with government to do a project that was long overdue, very much needed. It made people feel better. When we first started, I had some former residents who said, well, why is the name Cascades Park? So we had to do something to give a name that was Smoky Hollow. Well, they can build it back. I said, well, no, it's not. We won't build Smoky Hollow back. But you can talk about your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, what the times were like, and bring that history to life in another way. And so we've got many awards. And I just think it's just so important when you're able to resurrect and have people understand what was here before we were here. Well, and you've been able to really bring that history to life. And in doing so, you've created these really special places that not only educate, but they do. They help inform future decisions that our community may make. And I know even with Riley House, the museum, and then also with Smoky Hollow, you know, not only are locals able to learn from these places, but we have tourists that fly in specifically to come see these points of African-American history. And we've heard of people forming their whole family reunions around tying in visits to Tallahassee. So you really have helped put us on the map nationally as a leader with African-American history. We, of course, just heard Ms. Altamese Barnes talking about, you know, two of her past achievements in bringing the Riley House Museum to fruition and then also Smoky Hollow. But some of Barnes's achievements also include organizing the Florida African American Heritage Preservation Network in 2001 and that work to achieve historical records all over the state. And with over 50 members in this professional museum, it has become a blueprint for similar efforts across the country. And Mrs. Barnes' accomplishments were recognized by former President Barack Obama when he appointed her to the National Museum and Library Services Board in 2012. So how does it feel to see your work being recognized? Not only you've also received some state awards, all kinds of local awards, but not only having your work recognized locally, but as this national example and have your work recognized nationally. You know, people ask me that sometimes, and I don't know if it's something in the makeup of a person or not, but pers- you know, for me as a person, I don't think I even realize as much 
of what has been done and how much others uh, value it. I appreciate it. Um, in fact, I just came from Macon Saturday. We've, I was asked to come up there and work with Georgia mm -hmm. because they want to form a network like we have in Florida. Good. I have done the same thing in Virginia, went to Hampton to work with that group last year. And um, I think it's important if we are going to really be serious about our tourism programs and initiatives, we have to have something that people want to come to see, and then we have to lead the way to that. Absolutely. It won't happen by osmosis. That's right. <laughs> um, so in really in 1997 was the first year that I looked around and I didn't see much happening in the way of African-American history. Uh, among the major museums, mainstream museums, I would say, non-minority. So, and because of my travels with the, my work, I knew that there were people across the state who were trying to save this history and were involved and in that way. So I just took it on myself to say, I'm going to take send out an all call, and I got some of my old work directories and called people and said, okay, why don't we do a conference in Tallahassee? And we did. It was at the Sheraton that was on the, where Doubletree is now. And about 125 people came. That was in 1997. So out of that, we decided, well, let's stay together. And every other year, we'll have a conference. And we will keep um, doing workshops and training. Many of them were like me. I was not a music, I mean, a museum major. I majored in music piano and voice. So a lot of the people who came to Tallahassee and were involved in this were in my generation of baby boomers, and I don't know if millenniums and all of them know what baby boomers are, <laughs> but we were the war babies, World War II babies. By now we are retired, so we are claiming and we are reclaiming our schools and our churches and our um, businesses and are continuing some that were already in existence. So we said, well, we need to gather this history and come together. As they say, a rising tide lifts all boats. So since 1997 was when we came together, 2001 was when we officially incorporated. We started with seven museums. Now we are at 32 museums, solid destinations with daily programs, ongoing programs. And then we have affiliates that take us up to the fifth because we allow some cultural centers to connect as well. So I think it's important that Tallahassee is the central location for the network because in this way, we are able to schedule, help schedule the meetings we have, um, of course, state government. We have, so I've been told on many occasions, not just from people in the state, but when Dr. Lonnie Bunch came here, he came to Tallahassee for us to take him on a tour of Florida to see the history. Um, 
AAM, Association of Museums, same thing. They come to Tallahassee, and they all leave saying, you know, you all have done a better job of capturing all of your history, not just African-American, but Asian, uh, American, Native American. And it's all here. Your government, now there's the Grove. You have Plantation, Goodwood. Most places you go to, you can't just pick up one document and see all of this. That's true. We're very diverse in terms of our history. Right. And with the Florida African American Heritage Trail Guide, the first one was put together back in 1997 when Professor James Eton was on the committee and Dr. Dorothy Fields in Miami. So they put together the Black Heritage Trail Guide. We updated it in 2007, and it was actually unveiled at a network conference in St. Petersburg. Then in a, a late, the current edition, I can't remember the exact year, but um, most states have not done that. I don't know of any other state with a Black Heritage Trail Guide like we do, and it's on the website. Um, so Tallahassee has a lot in Leon County to be proud of, but at the same time, there's a lot that can be done to make it more uh, more of a value-added and ecotourism structure, but people have to educate themselves to that point and right. understand how it all fits together. We have a lot of about the arts, and we have a, a lot of the arts in our community. The arts make things beautiful. Um, you know, have people appreciate the music, the dance, the theater. Again, I was a music major, so I appreciate that too. But that wouldn't exist if you didn't have the history. You have the Bach Parley, but Bach had to live. Johann right. Sebastian Bach had to live first in order for the music to be created. Shakespeare, same thing. So the history, the culture comes first. And then you, these other things you draw in to help interpret through these mediums. And, and that's the piece that I, I don't think we quite get as we should. And I think if we can do that, Tallahassee and Leon County can be a wonderful destination and have buses rolling in here like daily. Right. Well, and I know you do so much and our community is much more richer and diverse because of it. And I know even I had such a great time working with you when you were a volunteer KCCI Community Catalyst for our Knight Creative Communities Institute and and really the guidance you were able to provide to the team as they were working to kind of help figure out what was the highest and best use for our historic waterworks building, but most importantly, how to help save that building since it was a historic building and we did want to see it revitalized but not lose that historical integrity. So it was really exciting to work with you on that project and see how this building hopefully will it's now on track to transform, but still make making sure that 
it retains that historical integrity, which is really exciting. Right, and a shout out to North American Properties for stepping in to help. Absolutely. Keep the KCCI's vision, vision. <laughs> definitely moving to keep it here. Um, you know those grassroots, that grassroots history, the importance of water. I, there was a wonderful uh, exhibit about water in City Hall. I think it was the month of July and August because I made some pictures and sent it to them where the young children were pointing out how important it, how important water is. And this was the you know, original waterworks building, building that made it possible for us to get away from the whales and those somewhat contaminated uh, conditions to have a healthy water system. Absolutely. What do you think it is about Tallahassee that makes Tallahassee so special? Special as a place to live, but then also special in terms of it seems Tallahassee is always cultivating innovation and citizen groups that are able to accomplish major things like you've been able to accomplish. What do you think it is about Tallahassee that makes it so special? I think Tallahassee has a feel to it that's, for lack of a better word right now, it has a homey feel to it. In my job, I, jobs, I traveled all over the state of Florida. I've gone to other places with the museum work, but I haven't been in a place yet that I would want to relocate to. Um, I don't like busy places, you know, overly busy places. When I say busy, traffic, congestion, um, housing, right? Yes, noise pollution, places where people live on top of each other, places where you can't, you can live in a place, but you don't own it. You can buy a condo, but you you don't really own it. It belongs to someone else. And I guess because I grew up in a family in a rural area of Tallahassee, we had my ancestors had property coming out of slavery. Even you know they had the eighty acres out Centerville Road, and so from as early as I can remember, we always owned. And so that's one thing that's been attractive to me that that you know I can own. I don't want to go somewhere where I can't do that. And there's a, it's kind of changing a little bit now, but there was always this spaciousness where you could walk out and look over the fields, or even in town, you had open spaces and everything was just not all cluttered up. And uh, I think that had a lot to do with my decision to stay here Though I, there were nine of us and only two, all, everybody left except two of us, although all have returned now except my youngest sister. She's still living elsewhere. Um, I think the universities have had a big draw, been a big draw. Many people don't know that uh, at one time uh, those African Americans wanted an education, a college degree pretty much had to come to Florida A&M University. So there is an affinity now, even from people who don't live here, to want to come back 
because they know had it not been for that institution, they would not be a part of the middle class or they wouldn't have acquired this education. Um, of course, with Florida State University, it has its following. And of course, being the seat of government helps. When there was the discussion of moving it to Orlando, I was saying, oh my goodness. Uh, being the seat of government is has its advantages. And so I think we need to do all that we can to continue making it that draw so that people say, yeah, we are different. The county is different, and we have many models. We need to identify our models, take advantage of our models, and everybody help the nonprofit community um, of which there are many nonprofits too, <laughs> but help them to be strong and and um, help them to get in a position where their stories are known, the services that they, they provide are known, and that the unique programs that they have are known, because that's what brings that will bring people to Tallahassee and Leon County as well. Absolutely. Well, Altamese, it has been such a pleasure talking with you today. We could talk for I hours. Enjoy, I know. <laughs> but thank you so much for being with us, and thank My you for pleasure. everything you continue to do in Tallahassee. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Think TLH podcast from the Knight Creative Communities Institute. If you want to learn more or hear other episodes, go to kcci.tallahassee.com forward slash think TLH. Please also subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, give us a review. And for more updates, follow us at KCCI Tallahassee on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check back every Thursday for another episode of Think TLH. Our show is produced and edited by Allison Levitt, and I'm Betsy Couch, and you've been listening to the Think TLH podcast from the Knight Creative Communities Institute. <laughs>